Welcome to City Talks, a monthly podcast looking at the big issues facing UK cities and the latest thinking on urban policy. I'm your host, Andrew Carter, from the Think Tank Centre for Cities. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to this episode of City Leaders. Today, my guest is Councillor Mike Ross. Mike is the leader of Hull City Council. Uh, Welcome, Mike. Hi there. Good Good to be with you today. So um, you've been the leader for since May 2022, um, but you've been a councillor for the part of 20, well, 21 years when you were still a, a wee student, as it were. Uh, so, I, was, I was four years old, I'm sure, when I was first elected. Yes, I, I, I can testify young. that I can see you on screen, and that is right. You are a young, you are a young man. So, um, but you, you. you've been for for a little while. Um, let's just start with your reflections on on that. What I mean. Give a sense to the listeners as to you know what it's like to be leader of of the council, how that differs from being a uh, from just being a normal councillor for that such if there is such a thing. Yeah, so I mean, as you say, I've, I've been a councillor now since two thousand and two. So coming up by the time the elections next year, it'll be twenty two years. I mean, that is quite a long time. I'm happy to admit that in terms of this council, there's only one other council that's actually done longer than me, which I, I got my first reference uh years ago back as a veteran councillor which at the age of just <laughs> about 40 something at that time was was a bit concerning but anyway um and so yeah i've seen a lot in that time and there's i think there's something around being a councillor in general and then being a councillor specifically in terms of where you are a councillor i think so you know the job of the councillor is is really really worthwhile fruitful one i think I, I get a lot out of it, but also it's really, really good to be able to serve local community. And for me, that's what very much being a councillor is about, is that service. You know, I don't see it as about being elected to spend lots of time, as much as I do do this, lots of time in meetings in, in the Guild or elsewhere. It's very much about serving the people I'm there to serve in, in the ward. And now as leader of the council, that broader uh, cross-city perspective. Uh, I always take that principle to this. Now, you talk about in terms of then difference between leader of the council, undoubtedly being leader of the council does come with extra responsibilities and extra challenges. And that's some of that is around balancing around the competing demands. Some of it's just pressure on life and time, which you know, if, if my wife was here, she would be expressing her views around that. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's around making sure though ultimately what you're doing is in the best interest of the community you're there to serve. And so for me, as a ward councillor, it's the people who elect me, and as the leader of the council, it's it's the people of home. And I think in all that we do, in all that we do as an administration, having that as our principle is is really important to us. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you you live in you live in the city. You know, you've studied in the city. Yeah. You represent yeah. represent the city. Does that mean? Do you ever get a day off? I mean, if you know, wandering <laughs> down the street, you know, minding your own business, and you get, a, it, you know, likely that some citizen is going to come and say, "Leader, I want to talk to you about X or Y." It, it was really so. It was our wedding anniversary a few weeks ago, and I was convinced my wife would want to go spend the day somewhere else because she does get quite annoyed when we're walking around town and being stopped as you say so much. And, and actually, she ended up saying, "Yeah, no, let's go to somewhere in town." And and that did indeed happen. Got stopped by residents or you know people in business in the city. You know all these different people. It's like it is. Just, I just accept she's just come to a territory, and you know it's it's actually I think it's it's a good thing that had to have profile in this job in the city that people know yes it, it does mean it can take longer to do your shopping and so on but you just have to accept it and recognize you are a public figure i think you know 
we've seen in in public life the issues around how public figures can be treated and so on and, and some of that isn't good but likewise you know we also have to recognize if you're going into this sort of profile of job there are the fact that you do become almost public property in that sense and it does just become part of the territory yeah no that's a, that is a very very good uh, very good point important one around you know public service and public life and you know what yeah. that entails for you but also how, how people and citizens should engage with you and you know uh and show that you kind of do respect that, that you know that, that that they that they really need to. I think I think the the, the worst one was when it got some engagement with someone when I was um, having my hair done. Unfortunately, it was another customer rather than the hairdresser because an angry hairdresser is not the sort of person you want loose when they're doing a, a job <laughs> like that. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, de- you definitely don't want to be upset in there. No, no. While they've, no. Got, while they've got scissors yeah. or shaver yeah, yeah. or whatever it might be in yeah. there in their hand, I think yeah. a dangerous place. Let's leave, let's leave that. You know, the, the the listeners can you know forge their own. Uh, I can say that you've got a, a lovely head of hair, so you survived that. Oh, well, I will. Uh, I let my wife know because she does it these days post COVID. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's possibly safer. Possibly safer. Yeah. Um, you say you 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 know you've been in public life, been a council for twenty years. It's a big question, but just I mean, just talk a little bit about I mean where Hull is now, and you know I've read some of the things that you've been. You've been working on. We'll come on to them, but I, I guess you know how would you characterize you know the journey of Hull over the last 10, 20 years to get you know to get to where it um it is today. I mean, it's a big question. You know, there's lots of aspects to it, but how would you tell that story, Mike? So, I mean, the first thing I want to say on on that in terms of Hull as a city, Hull is, and if you've never been, come. Hull is a great city, and it's a fantastic place to. So, I'm not from Hull. I came. To hold because university that's why i'm here i decided to come to university i had a great politics department and that's i mean i know you, you don't need to do a politics degree to go into local government but i just interested it academically as well as a sort of a, a vocation as well um hull is a great city it's got fantastic community of people here it's got a lot of great assets to it a wonderful business community yeah there are so many pluses about hull the challenge hull has is that people don't know that and the mm. wider public of the, the nation and elsewhere don't know necessarily always what Hull has to offer. And our challenge is to tell people. And historically, the city of Hull has never been great at that job. And so I know as leader of the council, one of the challenges we have to do is to improve that. And there's, you know, there's work taking place. And I'm a big believer in partnership and working together with others to get stuff done. And there's great organisations city who are trying to do work on this and want to work with them to do that. So I say my own personal journey, I, I came to Hull 2000 for university. Uh, I said to my mum, I think I might go to Hull for university. And she's like, you're not going to Hull. And she had to be persuaded that the city moved on since 1984 when she'd last been to place. But there's still that job to do. And I always say to people, the, the challenge we have is if you get people to Hull, they see what the city has to offer. And they often very quickly fall in love with the place. But getting people here is part of the issue. And first challenge that is often people don't even know where it is yeah. uh, and one of the one of the big uh, things that's helped with that in the last few years even sort of just not talking necessarily about the city the year of city culture in itself what people made of that but just the city of culture experience was really really helpful and i often tell a story about i was at one of the launch events for city of culture and tony hall the then dg of the bbc said that whole through the entire year of City of Culture, 
will be on the BBC weather map. And that got the biggest cheer of the whole event. And, and I know it's silly because that in itself isn't about culture. It isn't about you know what was going on during the year. But actually, symbolically, whole yeah. being literally on the map was a really, really important thing for the city. And it's still on the map now. And that just helps get holes into people's attention. So where is whole now to where it was 20 odd years ago? HUD is on a constant journey of improvement, but in a way that actually recognises what the city is all about. And that is, it's a great city with a great history, but also hopefully a great future. Yeah. And, and you talked about you know, the, the the city of culture has been a sort of a sim, having a symbolic role and function as well as, you know, a literal role in terms yeah. of what actually happened. I mean, just, just that into context, Mike, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's often so oh, these things don't matter, you know, they don't really make much of a difference, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, just just say a little bit about you know how how it played out locally, but then I, I guess how it played out. Do you think how did it change the that some of the perceptions that you know some have of Hull? So I think uh, there are various different elements of that. In terms of perceptions, what was really good about city culture is it helped get a sense of what Hull as a place was like across to more people, both in terms of more media, local, regional, national attention, but also in terms of bringing more people to the city and has helped spreading the word and has helped lead to people be advocates for the city and go and spread the message about what a great place it is. I think also just in terms of, you know, you know it's a city of culture. So let's, let's look at the, the cultural aspect. It also is just helped get across that actually this was a city with a really good underground cultural scene already. This this is a city you know, people think of likes of Beautiful South or House Martins and other sort of bands and organisations that come from the city and Whole Truck Theatre and Jog Gobble and all, all the different things that we can talk about. There was a cultural scene already, but it just, I think, helped lift the confidence of that community. But also actually just gave a confidence lift to the city itself and the people of the city. I think that was really important, the sense that it showed that actually Hull is a place that can do things and got that message across to other people across the country. And then the benefit of that is also pre-2017, the sense of, well, if you've got talent and if you've got skills and if you've got ambition, that's great, but you're going to have to go somewhere else to, to yeah. achieve. And it just gave people a bit of sense of actually, well, maybe I can do it in Hull. And maybe I can do those things here in my city that I love and I want to grow up in and I want to do those things in. And that's an opportunity here to do it now. Yeah. And um, I mean, part of, uh, so noticing that you, you're just on the cusp of a new, well, a new plan, the community plan, yeah. which is the 20, up to 23 or 23 and onwards. And that replaces or refreshes the city plan, which is 13 to 23. So just say a little bit about and it was a massive part of um, surveying and engaging, consulting with uh, the public on different sort of issues. So just just say a little bit about that, because I think that's a good a good avenue for both what's happened, but also then, you know, what you see in the next the next tranche of, um, of activity in the city. Yeah, so I think. I mean, obviously, councils up and down the country have community plans or 
plans for the, the the city or town or whatever and yeah feasibly you could just go away an afternoon and, and write some document and say well this is the plan for here there you go tick done we took a different approach we took an approach of actually going out and engaging with the community and various different sectors across the community as well so yes residents but also the voluntary community sector business so on various different organizations other public sector partners as well because yeah, I've used the word partnership before, but I mean, partnership is a really important approach for us. We want to do things together. We take the, the view as an administration that you achieve much more by working with others rather than just trying to do things on your own. And the community plan is a really good example of this. Um, the community plan is going to the full council on the 16th of November for sign off. And at the back of that document, there's a long list of the various partners and organizations that were involved in helping uh, create this document and you know my thanks go out to all of them obviously but also it just shows that this commitment to working together and i think it's not just around a commitment to working together to produce the plan the really important bit of course is delivering the plan and getting yeah. stuff done afterwards and i think what we've achieved with this is bringing people together in a way that says we are going to work together to help turn the city around over the course of the next 10 years actions will come out of it some of which will be done by organizations alone, but some will be done in partnership with others because it's for the betterment of the city. Yeah. And it's very, you know, central element to it, which is about, it's a it's a plan for the city. It's not the council. It's not a plan yeah. for the, what the council is going to do. And that involves, you know, a broader suite of activities, some of which the council has a very big role in. Some of the stuff, I guess, has a, a smaller role in um, as well. And, and I think, yeah. you know, trying to encapsulate it in that way. No, definitely. I, I think, so I think for me, it's really important that it is called a community plan rather than the council plan, because it's not, although obviously by nature these things, the council's done a lot of legwork in terms of the drafting and so on, and has that yeah. sort of ownership of it. It is undoubtedly a plan for the community, derived by the community, with the community and for the community. Yeah. And what's your, you know, when you look at the city plan 13 to 23 and then, you know, the prospective community plan 23 to onwards I mean, where are the continuities or where are the differences mike do you have a sense as to things you know that in some things have to continue on and they take a long time and you know you, you tweak them at the edges but you have a sense you know what's your sense that you've not quite have there been big biggish changes or on some aspects or some issues become much more um more prominent um, in the community's I mind i think in terms of approach it's probably one of the biggest issues in terms of yeah. I, I my sense is we with this community plan have much more of a community approach if that makes sense the sense of you know the issues that both the issues it seeks to address are more grounded in the community and that that was very key to us but also that community approach in terms of the partnership pulled together to make it happen so i think that's probably where i'd say the big differences are i mean undoubtedly the sort of things we want to achieve in the city are always going to be things like make it a cleaner greener city we're always mm. going to want to see more growth more jobs um but it's about how you go about achieving that's the, the the challenge i think approach of doing it together with the community is really really important for us and what do you think some of the pinch points will be on on that i mean obviously like i'm sure like all councils across the country you know the your the council itself is you know is, is suffering and struggling with you know with um not having the resources that it needs is you know having to make quite significant cuts i mean how does that how does that play in and how does that then affect the you know the priorities and and the progress on those priorities do you think i think one for me one of the biggest challenges in this is going to be expectations 
and managing expectations. I think what what we can't do is set expectations so high that they're not met or they're unrealistic. Likewise, we don't want them so low that it's just meaningless. So that's yeah. that's a real challenge. Um, undoubtedly, budget pressures are something that affect not just local government, but other partners and organizations as well. So there will be a, a challenge in managing that. But I think some of that is just a case of we're going to have to be up to the challenge in a way of actually being nimble about how we operate and actually be more innovative about how we deliver some of this stuff. Yeah, I was having a discussion recently around statutory services. You know, it's just just because something is a statutory service doesn't mean it needs to be delivered the same way it's always been delivered. You can still deliver services, but do it in a different way and get the, the same, if not better, outcome. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose in, in not that not that you would wish it in a sense, but the 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 challenging nature of the financial environment encourages more innovation or a different way of thinking about delivering services or engaging you know those that yeah. are going to receive those services yeah i mean i i wouldn't wish it as you say on, no. on any council but those that flounder and don't sort of think sensibly and carefully about how they do things are going to be the ones that struggle and those that adapt and thrive to survive are going to do well yeah um no a very good point um I suppose a third area just to explore with you, I'm, I'm interested at uh, ongoing uh, conversations around evolution and all of that sort of stuff. Might you be interested to get your your thoughts on uh, that? I think, am I right in saying you're less, philosophically you're less enamoured by the mayoral position as I as I understand it? Uh, I'd be interested in your and your thoughts on that maybe that comes through from your um your political training as well as your political experiences but putting aside the sort of institutional question right i mean one of the other issues i mean interesting your thought on you know there's been a conversation about obviously helen east riding you know that's a sort of a, an area but also you know which you have strong linkages with you can see all of that in the in the data but also there's a humberside sort of you know north and south sort of question which bedeviled the left in many respects uh, yeah. When you know when that was more of a prominent um, player, I mean, do, do you have a is there movement on that, or is there is there sort of beginning to be a consensus that it's one or the other, or it's both, or or what? I mean, where where do you think you are on that? Uh, so, the Humberside chestnut has been <laughs> one that many probably thought was dealt with in the mid nineties, when obviously Humberside County. <laughs> Council was disbanded, <laughs> but you still feel the sort of the impact of it to this day. And obviously, there's people in councils in the four regions, poor councillors who work for the old town council. There's still one or two people who are councillors who are around from those days. And so, there's obviously always still people hankering for those days. The Humber, we call it Humber rather than Humberside, is certainly for some uh, an economic unit, and there has to be a recognition of that in terms of any sort of agenda around this. Uh, and undoubtedly, I think that would be the case. Um, I I can't see a return of Humberside County Council, even under any local government reorganisation. I think it's, from a public perception, was just so unpopular. And obviously, I arrived here after all this happened. So I, I, I'm there sort of talking more from a sort of what I've learned from the history books perspective, yeah. I've necessarily lived experience. But yeah, I just can't see that return. But undoubtedly, I think, Yes, you talk about there's a, a working relationship between Hunley's riding. There's also, I mean, we have a Humber Leaders Board, which is composed of the four 
council leaders from the patch. There's the Huddle and Humber Chamber of Commerce. There's other, mm. there's Future Humber, which is a business organization. There's, there is still several cross humble organizations and while as i say we'll never return to humberside county council days there's, there's always going to be a cross humble working because yeah th- there just has to be yeah no that's a very good very good point um let's finish um with obviously you referred to yourself being referred to as a as the veteran or a veteran council even though you're not that old but you are deeply experienced i mean what what's you know what's what's been the what are the lessons or what the kind of re- reflections you've had in terms of both been the leader for the last, you know, well, nearly two years, but also been I mean, what would you what would you offer as as a set of insights to to new leaders or or new councillors, Mike? I mean, what how would you encapsulate your your twenty one years and counting? So uh, there's a couple of principles that I always try and work on. One is you you cannot and do not know everything as a councillor, and you shouldn't be expected to. And obviously, quite often there'll be queries come your way uh, and you just won't know the answer. And it's always best to be honest about that and actually say, I don't know, but I'll find out while I'm trying to make it up because that's where you'll get, not I'm talking from experience, but that's where you'll get caught out if you just make up an answer that turns out not to be right. Um, And I'd say that's the same as a leader of the council as well. You know, this is a massive organization, okay, albeit not necessarily the size it was, say, 15 years ago, but it's still a massive organization delivering a lot of services, a lot of staff working for it. How on earth could a leader of the council be expected to know everything that the council does all the time? It's just impossible. Now, of course, you want to know as much as you can and should be trying to find out as much as you can, but don't pretend that you can possibly know everything's going on. The other principle I try and work by is sort of always try and be have a better day the next day than the one that went before. In a sense, they're always trying to be better, always improve, learn more, find out more, and do a better job than you have done before. And that's not to be critical of the job you've done before, but always trying to sort of that sort of self-improvement, as it were, try and do a better job as, as time goes on. I think if you if take that sort of attitude on, on both those issues, hopefully you will both do a good job and enjoy the job you're doing. And I think so often, I think being a councillor is seen as something that people may do for a while i've done it quite a while and i get why some councillors feel they they want to do a term or two and then step down but i hope that actually you know if they do it with that sort of attitude they may do it for longer and do a good job for the the constituents they're there to serve brilliant that's a fantastic way um to finish uh mike thank you very much for being part of the the city leaders uh series uh that's been a fantastic conversation thank you very much indeed mike Next week's episode is the last of the year, and I speak to Councillor Hugh Thomas, Labour leader of Cardiff City Council, about how Cardiff is performing and how the Welsh Government engages with the city around economy, housing and transport issues. Please follow us on LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter, and subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter for regular updates from the Centre for Cities, including analysis of the latest policy issues. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of City Talks brought to you by Centre for Cities. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Centre for Cities. Please rate, review and subscribe if you liked what you heard. You can also follow the Centre on Twitter at Centre for Cities or like us on LinkedIn for the latest updates on what the Centre is up to. If you have any comments on the episode or suggestions for topics we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Do tweet us or send an email to info at centreforcities.org. 
The music was from Palace Fires by Johnny Foreigner, used with permission and all rights are reserved. <laughs>